0: I know the address. Sixty-six Harborview Road. Hello, hello, and welcome to Sixty-six Harborview Road, a podcast dedicated to ABC's General Hospital. I'm your host Caitlin, back with a late episode and missing last week due to a new baby in the family. Uh, I hope you guys forgive me. Every so often, life gets in the way. Uh, But the new baby is very exciting. I got to hold the little one, and it was just such a sweet and peaceful moment. So just to recap for myself, for last week, or week prior, I suppose, uh, Marshall tells Epiphany that he's leaving town. Trina sees him on the docks. Curtis received the information on his sealed file, which makes him angry, and Trina gives the info that Marshall is on the docks to Curtis so that Curtis can get down there. Selena and Brad held their first card game at the Savoy, Brad was very nervous, and Sonny put one of the guys who tried to rob Charlie's in the trunk of a car and laughed at him as Nina and Ava discussed Wiley. Harmony gets wasted at the Metro Court restaurant and almost spills the beans on killing Brendan, and Neil too for that matter, as she tries to burn the evidence in Alexis's fireplace as Alexis left saying, maybe we should rethink you living here. Then Carly walked in on Harmony. Leo is officially adopted by Ned, and his name is changed to Leo Quartermain. He wonders where Chase is, and Chase was knocked out at the Weber house. Security cameras were cut out before we could see anything that happened. Cameron and Spencer get themselves locked up for a fight in Kelly's, where Cam wanted to tell Joss and Trina the truth, and Spencer wanted to protect the secret of trying to trap Esme. Laura bails out Spencer and yells at him for acting like an entitled brat. Spinelli was going to go out on a date, but I guess ditched them uh, to go out with Maxie and spy on Britt and her possible date. Not quite the caper I wanted them on, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, Britt was actually stood up, and instead she sat with Drew Kane, who met with a business coach about possible merging of Aurora Media and ELQ, as he was returned Scouts shares. Valentine kisses Anna and then asks Alexis if she can use her influence at the Invader for the Cassidines. And I think that pretty much covers... Two weeks ago. So let's jump into this past week, not including a Monday, May 2nd's episode. I'm not going to include that in this. So we have Chase showing up to 66 Harborview Road with some flowers for Brooklyn. He tells her what happened and she forgives him, you know, right away for not showing up. Being knocked out is a pretty good excuse. However, Leo was not so quick to forgive. And honestly, I love that Leo makes these characters think and his poem was great. I hope we see more creative things from Leo. Michael also made an appearance here telling BLQ about the Aurora and ELQ merger and what that means going forward. I mean, I get it. She's Ned's daughter, so she can help him understand both sides of this, but she's pretty involved with deception right now, so I don't see her having a lot to do with ELQ, but I will get excited if we get some, like, Ned, Drew, Michael, maybe Tracy when she pops back in, dealing with some ELQ stuff. I think GH could use some more of that drama. I mean, We saw it in the past with uh, Jimmy Lee Holt, and we brought in Austin Gatlin Holt for a reason, right? I mean, besides showing us that Maxie belongs with Spinelli. <laughs> but VLQ uh, and Chase almost kissed here. And... At this exact point, I feel like the games are done, right? Like, they were about to kiss here, then they know where they stand with each other, and they can actually date now. I mean, that's what makes sense to me, watching it unfold. Uh, It's kind of nice that Chase does not have really any involvement with any other ladies on canvas. He's very far removed from Willow. More on her later. Uh, So back at the Weber house, Jordan is trying to get her team to get the video footage back, but it's corrupted. I thought they could have called Spinelli on this one. He can do some contract work for the PCPD. I mean, why not? And this is when Aiden rushes in and is declaring that it's Franco's ghosts doing all these things to his, you know, (laughs) so to my surprise, Liz looks like she believes it. Finn has had enough of all this, and he wants Liz out of the house, and she does finally agree, but she wants a room at the Metro Court. I mean, which is understandable. It's a very nice hotel, nice security, run by, you know, a mobster's (laughs) ex-wife. But I really thought she was going to stay at Kelly's because she knows that place so well, and for me personally, not enough people are staying at Kelly's. (laughs) So as Liz and Finn are waiting for her room to be ready, they come across Lucy and Lucy thought Aiden had a school project, and that's why he was asking her about ghosts and things, so Liz had to tell her that that was not true, and Finn felt the need to jump in and call Lucy irresponsible. I mean, it was a little much for me, but, I mean, he's frustrated, but come on. Uh, They all clear the air before Lucy has to get to her deception dinner with the other girls, and Liz and Lucy end up having a little heart-to-heart about the supernatural. And of course, Finn threw all of that out the window. Like, none of that makes sense to him. He says there's always an explanation for something. But Liz is questioning it. Like, I think she believes this. And maybe she will force herself to. I mean, if she's doing this to herself, she can get some sleep if she chooses to believe it's a ghost and not a person, maybe. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what the Metro Court security cameras pick up from her floor. The next day, Finn and Violet are at the nail salon where Ava is also having her nails done, and we get some really cute scenes with Violet. I mean, every time we see her, it's just an overload of adorable. And might I say, Ava and Finn looked cute together. I I mean, her past is very, very shady, and I don't think he'd be cool with any of it, but I did not hate seeing it. I really didn't. Another pairing I also didn't mind seeing was Portia and Drew. Uh, They were at the Savoy looking for Curtis because Curtis hasn't answered anyone's calls or texts, and instead he's on the pier uh, questioning Marshall about the sealed record. So Marshall is mad. I mean, I can understand it. I see it from both perspectives. Marshall doesn't want his stay in a mental institution to be public knowledge, but Curtis also does not have any answers as to why his father disappeared for 30 years, presumed dead. In my opinion, I think Marshall might be embarrassed that he used his stay in the mental facility as an excuse to stay away from his family so long. But can we also get an explanation about Buenos Aires? Like, why was he there? How long was he there for? Why was that the only piece of information found on him? (laughs) So when Curtis gets back to the Savoy, he sees his girlfriend and his best friend waiting for him. Drew gets up and leaves right away with just a, hey man, just shoot me a thumbs up or something, you know, next time you go missing for a few hours or so, a day or so. Uh, So Drew already told Portia all about the scheme to get the background check on Marshall in that scene. So Portia is just waiting for Curtis to come clean. And, And he should. And she was right during this conversation. Curtis was going around keeping secrets, doing shady stuff, all for information that didn't even help him. Now he's on the hook with Selena Wu. And I think Sonny knows that, by the way. Like, he was talking to Curtis in the Savoy not long ago, and from the look on his face, it kind of seemed like, "Mm, Curtis, seems like you uh, made a deal here and not a good one. (laughs) So that'll be really interesting to see. Sonny, in this week's episodes, went to the Quarterman Gatehouse to talk to Willow about Michael, try and build some sort of a bridge there. Uh, But Michael walks in in the middle of the conversation. And I understood what Sonny was doing here. Like, if there's big tension between two people, why not ask a neutral third party to mediate? But Michael took such offense. And again, he's going to denounce his father. Like, okay, I understood when Sonny shot AJ, but this, I mean, (laughs) instead of that argument and Michael saying he's gonna erase Sonny from the name Corinthos, he should have just said, I cannot get on board with you defending Nina's actions in any way. So until you're away from Nina, I am away from you. I think that would have been more productive. Sonny did plead with Michael for like the tiniest bit to not say these things and not think this way, and, you know, I'm your father, all that business, but then turned it right around when he said, okay, I'm going to remember this and you're going to have to beg for my forgiveness. That was a little much. Michael has taken a lot of heat from Sonny's business for Sonny to think Michael should forgive and forget everything he does. We did get a Morgan mention out of these scenes, so I'm not mad at that. I miss Morgan dearly. Um, Could he add anything to the canvas right now? I think he could. I think it'd be nice to see Morgan in the business, or maybe he's in that West Coast business trying to take over. I don't know. No, for real, I want that West Coast business to be Jerry Jacks. I really want it to be like Jerry Jacks and Jennifer Smith. Like, she's in prison right now, I suppose, with the WSB. I would love a scene where somebody goes to visit her. I really hope that that's going to come up soon. But all in all, Michael is seeing how Sonny's business is unnecessarily violent, and I can understand that. He's probably looking at his dad like, you're a little older now and wiser, like, why, why is your business still this way? Like, what are you doing? Especially with Avery and Donna being so young still, like, has Sonny learned from the past? Doesn't seem that way. From here, Sonny is at the gym for the remainder of the week. First with Dante, but he's a little hostile, telling Dante he doesn't want to talk to a cop, he wants to talk to his son. I mean, Sonny, please, you have to know that your life was going to be complicated, knowing that your children weren't going to be in the business. I remember years ago, I don't know how much I'm going to date this, but it was Luke Spencer and his son, Lucky, and they were arguing about Lucky becoming a cop, and Luke thought that Lucky had betrayed him to some degree. I mean, I just think that these fathers that are outside the law need to take a chill pill. But when Sonny said, we've all done things in our past, referring to Nina, like, were you referring to Nina kidnapping Avery from the loom? Like, Sonny just doesn't want to be held accountable. That's what it is. That's what it all comes down to. He doesn't want his mistakes to be held against him. So he's going to try and forget and forgive Nina's. I mean, I just can't. Once again, I can't with Sonny. I think I've been saying that for months now. <laughs> Dante gets a call to run to GH and Brando walks in. Once Brando said the line to Sonny that him providing for Michael gave him a privileged attitude, I knew right away, like, okay, now it's going to be Sonny and Brando BFFs for life. Like Brando does not know all the sordid history, how Michael was shot in the head and in a coma until he came out a new actor. He doesn't know about the kidnappings that Michael, Christina, and Morgan went through. The multiple times by Faith Roscoe, by AJ. I mean, I don't I can't even remember all the times those kids have been kidnapped. I mean, honestly, I would have anger for my dad too. I might not be spouting off every time that I'm going to change my name, but I would still be very angry. Next in the gym is Curtis, and he tries to get some information out of Sonny about Marshall, but Sonny doesn't think it's his business to tell Curtis he saw Marshall was on medication, and he would be right. They talk about Selena Wu for a minute, and again, I think Sonny can see that Curtis made a mistake. He did something he shouldn't have, but Sonny will protect Curtis to some, to some degree, I know Curtis blew off Jason previously, but Selena wasn't in control of the Savoy at the time. (laughs) Curtis might think he has control over his club, but he, he does not. Selena is making him think he has control over his club. I mean, it's amazing that Curtis cannot see what's going on. So with Dante at GH, he's in the room of Eric, one of the robbers who hit up Charlie's pub. The one Sonny threatened in the trunk of the car two weeks ago or so. And uh, by the way, Eric is answering, or I guess not answering the questions, Dante knows that this was Sonny, so he gets back to the gym to confront him, and again, this is complicated. I mean, Dante, could you actually arrest your own dad, like an arrest that would put him away for life? It's one thing to be like, oh, Sonny, you were speeding, I gotta arrest you, or whatever it is, but it's another thing to, like, make that arrest that puts Sonny away, What was also nice in these hospital scenes was TJ. I really hope that he is just kind of the resident doctor that we always see in GH. Uh, But when he steps out of the room for a second to let Dante question Eric, he gets a package, and we quickly realize that it's from Marshall. TJ seemed really delighted to receive a clarinet. I I believe that was a clarinet. I don't know for sure. I don't know my instruments that well. Uh, But are we going to see him play it? Are we going to see anything come of that gift? Are we going to see him talk to Marshall about it? Or was it just something to instill that, hey, I'm leaving and this is what I'm leaving you? I don't know. Later, Dante is supposed to be on a double date with Sam and Milo and Sam is running late. We'll find out why in a minute. Uh, But Dante and Michael start talking about Sunny. And I was starting to think, is Michael being too immature here like, is it weird for Michael to listen to Dante when they met after they were adults? I don't know. By then, Dante gets a call about the accident and he leaves. Milo begin to enjoy their time when Carly calls them to get to GH. And I gotta say, for as milk toast as Milo is, I feel for Willow here. I mean, she's boring because she's just being an average person, I think. Like, maybe the writers wanted us to see how Willow has cultivated this almost normal life and now here comes Harmony's lies to end it all. Milo get to GH and Willow can't even talk to Harmony before they wheel her into surgery. The fact that Willow is really Nina's it just does not phase me anymore. Like if this came out while Willow was still a teacher that would have been great but now I'm just kind of like eh. Speaking of Bean, she's chilling in her and Ava's apartment when Smoltz comes over to harass her. Sasha gets there and helps get Smoltz out of there, and from here, Sasha tells Nina she doesn't want to be in the middle of Nina's fight with Milo about Wiley. Nina said that she understood, but I have a feeling if it came down to it, Nina would plead with Sasha to testify on her behalf. But Sasha is different now. I mean, she even got serious with Nina about not wanting Brando involved with Sunny, and when Nina said Sunny took care of the robber, quote-unquote, like... Sasha looked at her and said you didn't even question this you didn't even ask what that meant you have no idea what this is you like you don't even know what you're doing (laughs) basically just telling Nina that she's playing house with Mike's body and Sonny's mind (laughs) but Sasha is slowly becoming worse with her drug addiction whatever drug that may be and now she's short-tempered and constantly looks like she's in pain enough so that Nina is worried about her when Sasha leaves to go to her deception dinner with BLQ, Maxie, Lucy, and Gladys, Nina ends up calling someone for help. So Sasha's husband, Brando, meeting with Lucy Co to discuss housing options, and Lucy says that she'll never give up her real estate license, and they share a really nice moment talking about Liam and how Brando is focused on, like, the love and not the hurt, but it's so difficult for him. I mean, I think Johnny is doing a great job with this material. After Brando meets with Lucy is when he went to the gym and spoke with Sonny about Michael. And early in the week, we had a visit from Diane to Alexis at The Invader. Alexis has to tell Diane about how Harmony has been acting, and Diane says, kick her out. (laughs) Don't look back. Uh, Diane's just the best. She knows everything, and she always makes a lot of sense. So Diane, I'm sorry, so Alexis asks Diane to ask Lucy to help Harmony find a home, and then Alexis goes home. When Brando was at the gym having his heart-to-heart with Sonny, he got that call from Nina, and she asked him to come over and talk about Sasha. She also thanks him for springing into action at Charlie's, but, I mean, why, was she thanking him in order to give him confidence to join Sonny's organization? I just assume everything Nina is doing is a plan to get her and Sonny closer and to somehow get her more access to Wiley. I, I don't know. So at the deception dinner, BLQ, Maxie, Lucy, and Sasha are all excited about how much money they make going public, and Gladys still wants a piece of the pie. No sooner than Lucy making a toast does some paparazzi guy show up and harass Sasha. Like, she's a model for a makeup company. She really that's sought after? I mean, years ago, being a CoverGirl model was a huge deal. It was all over TV and every magazines. Like, if you were the face of CoverGirl in like the 90s, man, you had it made. So I don't know if the writers are trying to say this is very similar. BLQ and Maxie excuse themselves to go wash up, but instead talk about Austin. And just as BLQ is questioning his feelings, he shows up. Again, not super on board with this coupling, just hoping it's a catalyst for something else. Austin does help with the paparazzi and gets him to leave the restaurant, and that was helpful. Sasha, though, girl, I'm going to need you to go to the actual bathroom in the stall and take your drugs, like not in hallways and door entries where everyone can see you. So while she's trying to take her drugs, this guy gets a picture of her. And I kind of had to laugh at his one-liner, like, is that on the menu? (laughs) But even better was Gladys grabbing the camera and taking the memory card. And I know we didn't destroy it right away because this is a soap, but I would have definitely destroyed that in real life. I don't know exactly how, maybe tie it to a rock and throw it in the harbor. (laughs) But I definitely would not have held on to it. So Gladys and Sasha leave the metro court to get away from this paparazzi guy, but he ends up following them in his car. On one hand, I get it. Like, you want your memory card back. On the other hand, is it really worth it? Like, if it was just those pictures of Sasha and there was nothing else on them, like, is it worth it? (laughs) Poor Sasha, screaming and crying in the car, just like barely keeping it together. She definitely should not have driven. And now I'm going to jump back to Alexis really quick. When she left her office and returned home to her house, it was a total mess. Earlier, Harmony was there burning papers that Neil Burns had on her, and this is when Carly arrived. I don't know why Carly is now very involved with this story, but I guess we needed something to move it along. (laughs) So Carly walks into Alexis's and sees Harmony burning these papers. When Harmony leaves the room, Carly gets nosy and looks at the papers. And then here comes Harmony with a syringe. How does she have access to all these syringes? (laughs) I don't understand. So anyway, they fight and struggle, and Harmony ends up drugging Carly and putting her in the back of her own car. Her plan was to drive the car off a cliff and make it look like Carly had an accident. Luckily, Temple Exus shows up and confronts Harmony in the woods. Now, it was disappointing that Nancy didn't get to say these lines to Harmony, but You know, it's all out now. It, It is what it is. At least it's all out in the open. And Carly, during this conversation, wakes up, exits the car, and now it's two against one. Harmony flees the scene. And as she's running, I'm thinking her plan is to kidnap Willow and Wiley. Instead, she runs into the highway where Sasha was speeding down the road with Gladys and Harmony gets hit. And of course, the paparazzi gets a picture of it. The remainder of this storyline, at least for last week, takes place in the hospital. So Milo get there in confusion with the reason Carly called them. Sam and Alexis are talking about how Harmony tricked her. I mean, poor Alexis. She can't have friends, can't have boyfriends. I mean, maybe she'll turn to the cast and for companionship and that's how we'll get them a little bit closer. Meanwhile, Sasha is freaking out both at the scene of the crime and in the hospital. Brando gets there, and Sasha tells him everything, and she's determined to tell Willow what happened. Willow was in the chapel, and Sasha came in and told her the truth, which was nice. And Willow is still so confused, and everyone is trying to give her information slowly, I guess, so she doesn't freak out. Michael called Jocelyn to let her know Carly was in GH, and Jocelyn got there quick. Gladys passed by and her and Carly talked about Sasha and I think they both figure out that Sasha's using again. And I think Gladys knows something incriminating is on that memory card. But will she blackmail Sasha or will she delete the evidence but confront Sasha about her drug use? Who knows? It's Gladys. Anything can happen. (laughs) And now that Harmony attacking Carly and Alexis is out to the cops, will Harmony even pull through the surgery? I haven't seen you know, today, Monday's episode, so don't spoil it for me yet. (laughs) And if she does die, uh, will Carly and Alexis keep it a secret about Willow's true parentage? And Willow's over here thinking that Harmony may have tried to off herself, so this is going so haywire at the moment. And we end that storyline on Friday with Carly going into the chapel to talk to Willow. Michael and Brando are at the hospital elevator, and they encounter Smoltz. Where Brando threatens this guy just like Jason would have. I mean, if you would have played that scene with Brando and Smaltz against a scene with Jason from like 2005 or 6, almost identical. I mean, it was crazy. So I guess this week we will see if these paparazzi guys print a story about Sasha being a hero or a villain. And the last storyline I want to get to here are the Windermere woes. (laughs) That's what I'm going to call it. So Nicholas calls Ava and she says, don't wait up. So he destroys his romantic candlelit soiree he had and Esme sees the whole thing. She starts telling him that they don't deserve this and how they both deserve love. Like, it's so gross. (laughs) Then Laura comes in and, thank heavens, breaks up whatever was going on there. And uh, she goes there to to tell them that she got Sonny to back down. Nicholas shows some jealousy when Laura tells him she was Spencer's one phone call, and Spencer is on his way to the gallery. And man, is Spencer laying it on thick with Esme. I have a feeling that she is suspicious, but Spencer is picking his words so carefully with her. And when he gets to the gallery, Rory is there with Trina, and they're definitely mildly flirting. Until Spencer interrupts. (laughs) It was so funny when Trina called him out on being jealous. And wouldn't you know that Esme was listening in? Like, did you have to come to the gallery to tell Sonny, or I mean, to tell Spencer that Sonny backed off? Whatever, at least we got a really, really good catfight between Esme and Trina. I mean, Trina was... Excellent, just amazing. And I just can't believe that Esme has the nerve to get an attitude. Like, it just boggles my mind, this girl. And what I also don't understand is Is Esme, like, playing everybody? Whether she's really 30 years old or really Ryan's biological daughter, like, her vendetta against Trina doesn't make any sense. I guess that's what Ryan was alluding to when he said that she was playing these high school jealousy games, but what is her purpose? What is her real plan? If the plan is to break up Nick and Ava so that Ava, Ryan, and Esme are a family, isn't it kind of like a little late for that? Like, wouldn't Esme be better off actually getting pregnant and making her own family? Uh, Maybe she's so screwed up in the head she doesn't see that. Meanwhile, Spencer is just dying to tell Trina that he loves her and wants to get Esme for this sex tape scandal. Instead, Trina throws in his face that he hasn't learned anything and is still using influence and money to get what he wants. Back at Windermere, Ava decides to come home, and Nick has a big romantic surprise for her. I guess he cleaned up quick from his freakout. As they discuss, Esme and Sunny... Ava has to tell Nicholas that their problems lie deeper than just him inviting Esme to live there. But wasn't it just on Valentine's Day that they had like all the trust in the world for each other and we had to see that bedroom scene (laughs) two months later and all the trust is gone? (laughs) Also, could Ava still be playing Nicholas for that money? Like, do they still have that clause in their prenup or postnup, whatever that was? Like, is that still a running thing? The last little bit I want to say here is that we got a name for the location of the cliffs. They called it Rona Point. I don't know if I'll be able to see it from 66 Harborview Road, but I will definitely keep an eye out for more mischief to be had there. You can find me on Twitter at 66 underscore view, Instagram at 66 Harborview Road, and TikTok at 66 underscore Harborview Road. From the quarter main foyer, I bid you a good week.